Minnesotans, and welcome to the Downright Upright Show, the place to go to hear out loud and proud what Minnesotans are thinking. And I am your host, Philip Anthony. Thank you for joining us today, and I hope you're all doing fantabulous. Now, fantabulous is fantastic and fabulous. <laughs> Put together, twice as nice, so you don't have to – saves time. You know? I like mm-hmm. to save time. My special guest today – is running in the special election for the at-large Bloomington City Council seat. His name is Maxwell Collins. And full disclosure, Maxwell and I met at Bloomington Pride. And it was a great time. Didn't we all have fun? Oh, yes. It was great. So welcome to the Downright Upright Show, Maxwell. Thank you for inviting me. You're welcome. Anytime you want to come, you're you're my guest. Oh, I'll definitely email you more. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, great. So to start the show, it's my usual custom that I ask guests – uh, foundational questions, a little bit about their background. So um, where were you born, you know, went to school, you know, anything, any anecdotes you want to add to that? Yeah. Um, so I'll start off where I was born. I was born in Hopkins, Minnesota. So not exactly Bloomington, but my family moved to Bloomington in 2001. Been there ever since. Uh, both sisters, actually, no, one sister lives in Bloomington. The other one lives here in Eden Prairie now for about a couple of years. Okay. I went to uh, Kennedy High School in Bloomington, uh, went to Hamlin University, got my uh, bachelor's in political science, just recently graduated with my master's in public policy from the U of M. Congratulations. Thank you very much. Um, and I am an openly gay candidate um, for um, no. um, for the city council. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my God. Who, who, who would have thought? <laughs> and, um, gay? Yes, no. 100%. <laughs> would you like the fan? <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. And um, otherwise, like... I've been pretty active in the city of Bloomington. I'm a DFL um, treasurer for the local Senate district there. I was a Parks and Recreation Commissioner from 2016 to 2020. So I know my way around the community pretty well. Yeah. What made you uh, pick political science? Uh, did you have it? Was that always your ambition or was it? Yeah. Um, I would say it wasn't at first. When um, If you met me in high, uh, in high school, I would have been a physics uh, major. If really? I went into college. That's a big yes. difference. Huh? It was a big difference. And then I believe when Trayvon Martin had uh, – when those protests were going on uh-huh. down in St. Louis, I remember sitting on CNN and watching that and going, this is not the country that my dad told me it was. Uh, I started realizing that it was not number one. I grew up in that whole ideology of like America's number one. It's the best country on the planet, yada, yada, yada. And then all of a sudden when that happened, I was like, if our country is so great, why is this happening? So then I sat there and said, well, no one's doing anything about this. Let me actually get involved. And the first thing I got involved with was the Parks and Recreation Commission in Bloomington. Mm-hmm. And according to your bio, that's a good segue here. Yeah. According to your bio, it says that you served as Parks and Recreation Commissioner. Let me get the years right. From 2016 to the present. You look young. I mean, you, I can't imagine. <laughs> How old were you, 10 when you did this? <laughs> Can you tell the uh, audience, I can't say listeners anymore because – this is my first in-studio podcast. Yeah, and congratulations on you. Yeah, that. thank you so much. So uh, can you tell the audience – I'm going to use that word now – a little bit about uh, that experience being Parks and Rec. This, yeah. Like that show. I love that show, by the way. Oh, I had so many people always ask me questions. Is it like the show? And I'm like <laughs> – I'm not Leslie Nope or Ron Swanson. I would be in charge of the people who are Leslie Nope and Ron Swanson on, during that time. Right, right, right. Um, so my experience with that was actually very foundational. It made me want to get into public policy and actually develop my love for politics and government even more so. Um, so during that time, like, we redeveloped about 
I think around 50 to 90 playgrounds in the city of Bloomington. We have a lot of parks in Bloomington um, over a three-year period. Um, we looked at a community center that we did get some backlash on because we had a lack of community engagement. That taught one of my main rules and one of my main priorities. If you, if anyone wants to run, that is always the one thing I always go for, engagement, engagement, engagement. Um, the other aspect is we redid a lot of uh, little tiny programs like um, disposable waste when it comes to biodegradables and so forth and getting that implemented and more expansion of the youth programs. So it gave me the foundations to realize on how to make policy and what are the impacts of it and actually seeing it through and seeing what, like how people relate to it and how they actually go about their daily business. It was very influential. Yeah. Well, I, the thing that really fascinated me, because I'm, um, I'm not a Minnesotan by birth. I was born in New York City. Good for you. Yeah, yeah. And when I moved to um, Minnesota, the thing I noticed is all the parks – that you yeah. guys have, and they are so clean yeah. and not crowded, and um, like you said, that you know they're they're you know there's a lot of um, you know accessibility to water and mm-hmm. things like that. Which in New York, you, nine times out of ten, you can go on a go to a water fountain, and the water is you know, and <laughs> the, the swings are rickety, and you know, when I moved here, I I thought everything was so up to date. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, c- can you explain how th- how that uh, is there funding that you're getting for that? Is that what so in Minnesota the, provides? I guess yeah, um, it's kind of a mixture of both. A lot of times with the funding, especially in the city of Bloomington, it comes directly from the city's taxpayers. So from the property taxes, I think the city spends between thirteen to twenty million dollars a year on their parks and rec programs. Um, so it gives us the great opportunity to be able to keep our parks updated and maintained and everything along those lines. Mm-hmm. Um, but we do get, like, random grant funding from, like, the state of Minnesota. So there is a trail down by the Minnesota River Bottoms um, that was originally – that is funded by the city, um, by the state taxpayers and by state bonding and state grants and so forth. Uh, so we do have a mixture of both, like – um, the three ballot measures coming up, that will be a sales tax. So, like, there's different ways that we can go about it in the city. Yeah. And and the thing that I find fascinating is there are certain – there's a certain segment of the population that they hate to pay taxes. It's yes. just there. It's like, you know, it's like pulling every follicle of hair out of their head. They hate it. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Excuse me. And um, I think it's wonderful that we have programs like that. Mm-hmm. And what do you think? I mean, what, yeah. isn't taxes important? Yes. Um, for me, I find it <coughs> extremely important. When I was uh, learning at at the Humphrey School of Public Affairs at the U of M, they told us that your taxpayers or otherwise <coughs> your budget is your values. And I still honestly believe that. What you spend money on is what you care about as a community. Right. <coughs> and when it comes to any type of taxpayers, especially in the city, that don't <coughs> want to pay their taxes, how do you explain on? funding the roads how do you explain funding the sewers bloomington has one of the best water qualities in the country how do you explain having that up to date and making sure that everything's safe and along with public safety and like in the fire department and the police how do you make <coughs> sure that's all funded and if you don't want to pay your taxes how would you go about that yeah. and i don't think there's any other way going about it and there's something special in a government setting where you can sit there and say i'm willing to put part of my income aside for the benefit of all the community, the community just not itself, me. right? Yeah. I mean, I don't have any children at all, 
and I'm very happy to pay taxes for other people's children yeah. for their education, yep. for Parks and Rec and all that stuff. I mean it's – it's, it's investments. Just, it's just being part of, of the whole community, and that's why Minnesota is amazing to me. That's why when <laughs> they moved here, I found yeah. it fascinating that people are willing to part with some money so yeah. that children have a good education, that the you know the community's clean, mm-hmm. uh, the parks are nice, uh, et cetera, yada yada yada. Yeah. So yeah. All right. So now um, you have stated that you will vote yes. For ballot measures one, two, and three yep. in Bloomington, um, can you uh, tell the audience a little bit about those ballot measures, like one at a time, you know, yeah. if you can, and why you will vote yes, why it's important to vote yes? Yeah, so um, starting off with ballot measure one, I'm sorry if I do get them a little bit misplaced. Um, they are a community center for, I think, ballot measure one. We're looking at redeveloping our old community center, which is <clears throat> an old elementary school that is no longer in use. And the building's becoming dilapidated. And we want to, the city wants to turn it into something that is not only a, mainly a senior center, but is a multi-generational center. So like an, an actual community center, along with the public health department, because we have a public health department in Bloomington. And they are also in a building that's pretty dilapidated as well and is falling apart. And they need more expansion. They have more employees now. And they just need to get a bigger building. So putting the two together, we, uh, the city finds to be a very unique resource. So I find that one to be uh, especially uh, uh, very special in my heart because that's something that I originally worked on as a Parks and Recreation Commissioner. Um, the reason why I'm voting yes on it, because it does bring investment into the city. Um, it is able to expand our programs on the Parks and Youth side of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it brings people to for like community education and and other things that a lot of that a lot of cities do provide but necessarily don't have the space for. So it is very important for that one to get passed. Um, when it comes to ballot measure two, we're talking about our ice arena that we have in Bloomington. We call it big. It's Bloomington Ice Gardens. Um, that part that needs a hundred percent needs to be able to get passed because of the, um, the Bloomington Ice Gardens. You want to talk about a dilapidated building? It's pretty much falling apart. Uh, the equipment that is in the building that keeps the ice actually cooling is um, is so outdated that we have to buy the cooling liquid for that equipment to keep the ice formed on secondhand markets. Mm-hmm. So you can't directly buy it from anyone anymore. We have to buy it from other cities and other agencies or anyone who randomly has it laying around. So that actually has to get passed and is able to be funded for. Um, and then when it comes to ballot measure three... This one gets a little bit more controversial uh, with a lot of residents. So we're talking. Tell us. Yeah, so we're talking about the Nine Mile Creek corridor. Uh, Say it again. What's that? The Nine Mile Creek corridor. So it's Nine Mile Creek that goes through Bloomington. There's about three parks that are along it, and it's a lovely, like nature-esque corridor. So you can't sit there and have any type of really big development in there. So it's a lot of, um, a lot of trees and a lot of wildlife and native vegetation that's down there. And they're planning to update the trails so they're no longer unpaved but paved and connects to the Minnesota River Valley Trail that's uh, that's going along the Minnesota River. And a lot of people are concerned about the expansion of not only paving it but also um, the city's adding a bike path in there. So a lot of people are discussing whether or not if we should have a bike path. And the reason why I voted yes on it is because there's other things to it. So like updating the playground in there, updating the building that's... I think they call it like a picnic shelter that's at Moyer Park. And I believe also a lot of bridges and pathways that are up there. But also the one key thing is a lot of um, 
uh, native vegetation and wildlife uh, a restoration will be going on there, and I find that to be the most important thing. So I always tell people, I said, I'm voting yes for the overall picture of it, but when it comes to the bike path part, we can sit there and rediscuss as a community whether or not if we want to be changing this, because really at the end of the day, the three ballot measures are just draft versions of what the city is trying to get done, and things can be negotiated and changed on there. Yeah, and a bike path, I mean, I know for a fact there are certain cities that are considered the most bike-friendly, Yeah, and Minneapolis is one of them. Yes. And Bloomington and yeah. all the other suburbs uh, of Minneapolis and St. Paul. And, um, yeah, and, and and it's good to promote exercise. It's, mm-hmm. it's good to promote health. Um, the paths are, are wonderful. What if there's an elderly person yeah. who needs to walk and, you know, the path is not, you know, not fixed? That good. Yep. It, it, you know, so it's all for safety too, right? Yeah, yeah. And I looked at it mainly from an ADA standpoint to pave the rest of the trail because – for me, I want people who cannot physically get down there yeah. to actually experience the Minnesota River, to experience Nine Mile Creek, because it is kind of down in a bluffy area. It's hard to get to. Right. And making it ADA accessible and making it safer for walkers does make it more accessible for the overall community for people to enjoy. I don't think that the city is going to go in there and destroy anything. That's the opposite of what the ballot measure actually says on there mm-hmm. and what they're uh, presenting. Then nature is going to be preserved. preserved. You're not going to touch the trees or anything like that. Yeah, and there's some people who are concerned about, like, the trees cutting if we were going to put a bike path down there because um, we'd have to expand the path. But I sit there and go, it's like, if that's the case, well, we can always move it. We can move the bike path along Lindale because Lindale goes all the way down to the river. So we can have an actual separate bike path that's on that road going down to the river. That could be an option. And right. other options that other community members or city staff or other council members want to look at. Right. But you use the word um, – interesting. Um, you use the word um, controversial. Yeah. I don't know why that would be controversial, but silly me. You know, I'm just uh, Philip. But uh, yeah. why would you – why are you? Why did you use that terminology for that, for that project? Yeah, because uh, you do have – I would say it's almost, it's almost split down – party lines in this aspect in the city of Bloomington. So with I always tell people, I said, even though city elections are nonpartisan, they are definitely partisan. Um, when it comes to it going down uh, partisan lines is that the Republicans in the city of Bloomington are on the side of making sure that the pathway doesn't get read, uh, gets paved mm-hmm. and that the bike path doesn't go through and make sure that nine mile stays as nine mile. Um, and partially that's due to their like financial conservatism that they want to have, which one of my priorities is financial responsibility. <laughs> but I look at it also as like it's an investment and probably will bring us some money back as people coming in there and you get more visitors you going think? to the city and yeah. everything. Yeah. And then the other part that's controversial is that they hold on to it. So it makes it difficult for the city council who are mostly liberal, who are mostly progressive and trying to get these subjects done or these projects done, it gets this little battle going on. And people try to point out that, like, oh, it might have not been transparent or anything like that, whereas the city did present a lot on it. Um, The city did a lot of community engagement to get these ballot measures to the point where they're at. And the transparency, I feel like people just don't really see it when they read the actual ballot measure because it's you can't really put every detail of a project in there. And the city wants to have this be more of a draft and have it be more vague than an actual thing. So that's why I tell people, I said, these three ballot measures is a general idea of what you want to do with your money. After that, 
the city will come to you and ask you what exactly you do you want to see. You can tweak it later. You yeah. can tweak it. And that's where yeah. I go. The bike path can be moved. Absolutely. And, and I a lot of people understand that portion of it. So I want to make sure that they understand that part. And going from there, that's what kind of makes it controversial is because they're having misinformation and um, – not being told that this might be a draft or some miscommunications going on there yeah, where it creates it into a controversial thing. And yeah. partially um, some of it could be nimbyism as well. Yeah. Wow. Anyway, uh, I, personally, I think those three uh, ballot measures are amazing. Oh, I yeah. mean, that you're voting yes. Uh, if I was in your position, I would too. Yeah. I mean, to make the community a better place for everyone, yeah. for elderly, for kids, for yeah. everybody – I don't see a problem with that. Again, like I said to you before, I pay taxes for schools yeah. and for parks and all that, and I have no children. Yeah. But I just want—I just want a nice community. I want other people's children because they're the future mm-hmm. too, right? Yeah. And so I don't—I don't understand this whole thing with my money, my money, my money. Mm-hmm. When you, you're living in a community and you're all together, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, hundred percent. You would want people to live in the have terrible parks and unsafe uh, walkways and, and, and stuff. Par- yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm and, with you. And, and and to touch like on the money part of it, like uh, sales tax. We have America. That's not a hidden grit. Mm-hmm. So most out of the sales tax will become visitors who go to the Mall of America. It's, mm-hmm. I think the the city came to a conclusion. It'll be around sixty six percent of the sales tax will be uh, paid for by um, visitors who go to the mall. The U of M said around 75%. So as a community, I find that to be an absolutely good financial decision to make. Because if we didn't have that and we had to pay it through property taxes, it'd be a lot more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I Like I said, good for you. I Thank would you. Do, I would do the same exact thing, you know. Um, so if you're elected uh, to the uh, Bloomington City Council, um, what are some of the priorities you will undertake once in office. So um, I know you have many because I looked at you. <laughs> I did a lot of legwork on you. I'm kind of like Elizabeth Warren with the, the amount of priorities that I have on there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so maybe you can succinctly enumerate them for uh, the audience. Like what are some of the priorities you have? Yeah. So on my website I have eight, but I, but when I go talk to people I summarize it in about four points. So I have um, – um, economic development and financial responsibility. So the economic development part is small business development. The city has a lot of big businesses. I want to make sure that small businesses are able to be thriving. So putting more money into the small business center that's going up in Bloomington, relooking at ordinances that might prevent small businesses from developing or getting rid of those uh, barriers that prevent someone from actually setting up a small business here in Bloomington. Cause that's a lot of money to do undertaking, especially when it's a certain little thing like, uh, we have a very famous business in Bloomington for Bloomington residents. It's called Luna. Uh, uh, sorry, Luna de Luna. I always forget about the de Luna part. And <laughs> and he had um, Luna means moon, doesn't moon, it? Yeah. yeah. Moon. I don't know what the de Luna part means. Though. Of the moon, the oh. moon of the moon, the moon of the moon. Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. I took Spanish, so I know. The more you know. And <laughs> anyways, <laughs> so so he he had some issues with. With the city that costs them tens of thousands of dollars, and he's a small business owner, he does not have that money. That like makes or breaks it for you. Mm-hmm. And I, my heart goes out to him and a lot of other small businesses that run into some fees and ordinances that I don't think necessarily need to be there. Um, the other ones is like financial responsibility, making sure that the city's budget is 
balance, making sure that every tax dollar goes to benefiting all the residents in Bloomington, just not one location or another. Um, other priorities are community engagement and infrastructure investment. Um, community engagement, obviously, from my times as a Parks and Recreation Commissioner, and even now with that ballot measure three, you as a city official, you have to make sure that you're engaging 100% of the time with all the residents, no matter if you disagree with them or not. And that's what I always tell people. I said, I'm up front. I'm a Democrat. I'm a liberal. But I'm willing to listen to Republicans <gasps> who stay in Bloomington because, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> and I want to make sure that they're sitting there and being yeah. listened to because it's still their community and their input should be valid. Yeah. Um, and then when it comes to the infrastructure update, uh, the city was built all at the same time in the 70s and 60s. We went from 5,000-some-odd people up to 80,000 in a 10-year span. So all that infrastructure is going to go to hell in a handbasket pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. And as an aspect of that, we want to make sure that we are planning rigorously to to update that and kind of work at it slowly so that way we're not uh, uh, increasing people's property taxes when it does uh, all decide to fail at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, the other one is Bloomington's environment, so I look at it two ways. Um, Bloomington's physical environment, so protecting the green spaces and the natural spaces, using spaces that are no longer used by recreation, turn it more into natural vegetation awesome. and wildlife. Yeah. And then also climate change. Um, that's the second part. And making sure that the city is transitioning over into renewable sources of energy, making sure that residents have resources and pathways, either working with the state government or foundations and nonprofits to see if we can provide financial resources if they want to put up a solar panel on their house, they can, yeah. without throwing out thousands of dollars and a lot of times Bloomington residents don't have those thousands of dollars up front to be able to do so. There's so much misinformation yeah. about uh, about progressives. Um, you were talking about attracting business. I mean, if you have a good environment uh, and it, it's it's a clean city, it's you, yeah. everything's up to date, it attracts business. Yeah. It's not anti-business. No, right? it, brings, it brings people in. And, and exactly. if you bring people yeah. in, you're going to get businesses in and jobs in and everything else. So in a weird way – not to try to change your community that you live in is the detriment. Like I always tell people, I said, if your community is declining in population or your community is declining in whatever, you're pretty much starting down the path of your community dying out. And I don't want to see Bloomington dying out. I want to see Bloomington to be able to be the place that people can call home, be welcomed, and be thriving and having every opportunity that I had growing mm-hmm. up there as a kid. Yeah, awesome. I, I, love, what, I, I love the fact that we are able to – uh, succinctly talk about business because we, you know, the Republicans are trying mm-hmm. to say we are we're trying to kill business. You know, yeah. it's our mission. You know, which is dumb. I mean, you know, business is what attracts. I mean, a good environment attracts business, mm-hmm. and then people will come, and more people will come, and more people, people will come. come. Yeah, and and with that, like, I'll just I'll just say, just look at Minneapolis itself, and even Bloomington and St. Paul. You have big businesses there. They're democratic strongholds for, especially Minneapolis and St. Paul, for well over 100 years. Mm-hmm. How do you explain that you get these <laughs> big businesses coming in there if yeah. Democrats are so anti-business? Thank you. I mean, every big city in, in the United States has businesses, yeah. more businesses than in the, in the rural areas yeah. because, you know. But anyway, that's, that's we're beating a dead horse. <laughs> we're, 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 we're preaching to the choir to yes. each other here. Yeah. Yes, we are. <laughs> so – Anyway, so you have been endorsed yes. by some very influential people, and I, I applaud that. Um, one example would be the mayor of 
uh, Richfield. Her yep. name is Mary Supple. She endorsed you. And would you like to mention other endorsements you have received up to now, yeah. and, and 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 unions and other and people that are endorsing your organizations yeah. in general? Yeah. So, so the biggest one that I'm actually pretty proud of because I'm a un- I'm a former union member myself with uh, a local UFCW six six three, and the Teamsters local um, is it the Teamsters Joint Council thirty two union endorsed me. So they represent Minnesota, North Dakota, South awesome, Dakota. Yeah. And that one I'm very proud of because that was the one I tried to hit on very early on. And it just tells me that my vision for Bloomington is going in the right direction, um, especially being a former union em- employee and getting endorsed by them means a lot personally to me. Um, other other members who are big in the community, at least, is um, Donovan and Davino Colley. He was a, um, he's a chair of SD51DFL. So I got endorsed by him. Um, other areas that I'm looking for, um, hopefully I hear back from the Victory uh, Fund, which is the LGBTQ plus Victory Fund. That's a national fund. Um, and they endorse local uh, LGBTQ candidates across the country, either from local to federal to state level races. And that would mean a lot to me as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, awesome. So, can you discuss being a member of the LGBTQ? You know, segueing yeah. into that. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's amazing how my my guidelines always oh, work out. Oh, it just that works way. out timely. I yeah, I'm I'm good at what I do. Don't am am I not? I, I hope so. You're a professional, <laughs> right? <laughs> can you discuss being a member of the LGBTQ community? Um. running a campaign and what are some of the benefits and some of the obstacles you have faced so so some of the benefits that i've seen is that you don't really have to tell anyone that you're a democrat right off the bat especially if they find out that you're a part of the lgbtq plus community even though i still tell people right off that that i'm a democrat um i would say that uh, that is the biggest benefit the other i would say the other part that i kind of I guess might be a non-benefit or obstacles that I face is when I'm actually door knocking because I don't know who I who I exactly door knocking on the doors with when I'm talking to people, so I don't really mention that I have a op- that I'm openly gay with a partner. I just kind of let people discover that for That's themselves. So they go on the website. I send on my website. It has a picture of me and my partner on there. So if they have an issue with that, they have an issue with it. When I'm at someone's door, I'm not trying to talk about my personal life. I'm there talking about how they want to see the community as. Mm-hmm. So sometimes I do run into people who might be a little bit transphobic or immensely transphobic or who are immensely homophobic and racist, uh, racist and so forth. And that's a lot of the problems that I run into. Um, and just trying to get out of that conversation as quickly as possible. It's a lot of, uh, I would say it's a lot of people pleasing at the end of the day and trying to make sure that you don't get run over or having any type of physical involvement going on and just being like, okay, sir or ma'am, you have a nice day. All right. You know, I'll keep your input in mind. Um, or also knowing in the city of Bloomington, we have some radicals who absolutely do not like the Bloomington pride event. And for me, I find the Bloomington pride event to be very important. I find any pride event. Moms for Liberty. Oh yes. And the moms for, yes. Um, so, so talking about that radicals part, uh, the moms for Liberty with banning books, we're seeing, um, them targeting our school board in the city of Bloomington and trying to get them to ban, uh, uh, homosexual and trans, um, books in the city and LGBTQ books as well. And all sorts of other cases only because they find it to be 
irrehensible or um, uh, too sexual or or demonizing or whatever it is. And the biggest problem that I have with them is like, how would your kids ever know? How do they feel? What if one of your kids at home happened to be gay or happens to be trans or happens to be what other um, community member of the LGBTQ um, community and you're not validating them or they're not trying to understand. And and also, this is America at the end of the day. We don't try to ban books here. I don't view the, this country as That's banning fascist, books. If it is. Me. It is purely fascist. You have That's the definition of fascism. You, you have banning books. You have these people who are coming in and trying to ban books, like as if it is the 1930s. It and won't I'm make like, their kids gay. If they're already gay, they're going to be gay. Yeah, nothing's going to. Yeah. Nothing. I. If anybody should be straight, it should be me. I grew up in a Catholic <laughs> family. Went to, I was an altar boy. I tell this all on all my shows. I didn't get a ballot when I was born to check off. Are you oh, yeah. straight? You want to be gay? Oh, no, you, you just find out. <laughs> you just find out. I mean, and you're it's like, so oh. absurd. Anyway, yeah. now we have come to the part of the show Ooh. I like to call the shift. The shift. But please Ooh. make sure that you pronounce the F. Otherwise, we have problems. Okay? Okay. It's the okay. shift. The shift. Okay. Where we shift the questioning away from your personal journey mm-hmm. and we talk about your opinions on current events. Okay. So it's. It's kind of like all about you now, your your thoughts. My, my thoughts? That's why it's, it's – Oh, God. What, we, we might be here all day if you talk about current events and my thoughts. Well, that's why this show is all <laughs> about what Minnesotans are thinking and you're in Minnesota mm-hmm. and I want to know what you're thinking. So this is your opinion. Chance right. to express them. you know. So as you know, the Republican-controlled House is ready to shut down the government if the, if the Democrats in the House and Senate don't meet their demands. What do you believe the implications will be to Minnesotans and to all Americans if the Republicans succeed in shutting it down? First off, uh, my heart would go out to all the employees who work for the federal government because they're the first ones who will be implicated. Absolutely. And having those problems right off the bat. They're not going to get those paychecks. They're not going to get that money coming in to be able to support their families. It's not like every federal employee is a millionaire. Like, they're not. They are middle class or lower income people who just do the job who care. Mm -hmm. They're working class. And that has big implications. And going to stemming from that, you have implications when it comes to services. As a government, I always always view government as a tool to make people's lives better. And if you're no longer having that interaction with them or having that level of services there, you're going to be having issues. So when it comes to the VA hospitals or the healthcare facilities that are funded by the federal government, you're going to have some issues there. Or when it comes to transportation and uh, other government entities, those services are not going to be there, and that's um, very wide and broad. And it can go into multiple different areas. I think the only thing that's not going to be shut down is the uh, the DOD, and they always do that. The military is always up and running. But Of course, yeah. Yeah, but all the non-discretionary, like Department of Education, that's not going to be up and running, handling people's student loans and stuff like that. So so that's the problem that you run into is the government won't, won't be helping out the people when people need them the most, especially with uh, the recent inflation that we've had and the recent economic downturn and the recent COVID-19 pandemic. People still need help from the government at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah. But uh, Republicans are so anti-government. Yeah. You know, and that's that's where you can get into that um, that avenue where you can become fascist because yeah. fascist governments are anti-government. They, they, they want to control the yeah. whole thing. Not you. 
Which is the opposite of what they're suggesting. Yeah. Um, so when you're talking about like the like anti-government, but then they want to control the whole thing, I'm like, well, that's Big Brother in itself. Yeah, I don't, well, yeah. you know, I'll quote Ronald Reagan in that and like stay out of our lives. And I feel like most liberals and most Democrats just want to be helped. And even most Americans just want to be helped out and just continue their day-to-day lives without much interference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when you have the Republicans who are sitting there saying that, you're going to get the opposite. Yeah. Why why is it always like the working class that they don't have a, they have a problem helping, but rich rich people and huge corporations cut their taxes, you know, oh, yeah. make them pay zero. You know, it's it's just so de- It's depressing. a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's very depressing to me. I don't know. Besides the deep Budget cuts the Republican-controlled mm-hmm. House has included in their demands to prevent a government shutdown, the passing of a bill that requires restarting construction of the border wall, that's one of them, mm-hmm. and also adding strict restrict, uh, restrictions to asylum, so people that want asylum, so making it very, very hard for them yeah. to uh, to uh, ask for asylum. So among other measures, however, missing from the bill are provisions requiring e-verify. So they don't want to put that in the bill, which uh, would say to a company, um, you can't hire somebody. So they'll let, they're will let against people coming in, but they're yeah. not against people that are, they're that, employing that are them to save yeah. money. Yeah. So what are your thoughts on that? Um, I find that to be extremely hypocritical. Um, Big time. Yeah. In the United States, the only reason why our population is growing is because of our immigration. And when you bring more people into a society, the more it thrives, Um, Mm -hmm. especially with jobs that typical everyday Americans don't want to have anymore. People wouldn't come here if a a company was not allowed to hire those people. The draw is they they don't want to put that in in, In in one of the bills. And and the thing is, like, if you restrict those people from coming in, those companies are going to eventually run into extremely tight like labor market where there's no one for them to hire. Personally, I they're think hiring yeah, personally I think they're secretly wanting them to come over the border yeah. because it gets cheap labor. Yes, it, bingo. It, you don't have to uh, pay people anything, you know. You, you paying get, you minimum oh, wage and then paying somebody $3 an hour. An hour yeah. you, know, you know what I'm saying? It, it's, it's a big difference. Of course. Yeah. Um, so to preface this question, I just want to say that I'm totally against ageism. So before you you, you, you think I'm an ageist well, not, I am not because I happen to be 63 years old. I know I look beautiful, but no, just kidding. As you know, <laughs> President Biden is 80 years old. Yep. He's quite svelte. He jogs. Mm-hmm. He rides a bike. He does a lot better than me. Often, yeah. <laughs> and he has been traveling all over the globe on behalf of the country. You see him every, mm-hmm. every time you turn around. He's, he's somewhere else. Yeah, yeah. He's in Ukraine. He was, <laughs> he was in Japan. I mean, he's all over, yeah. right? Meanwhile. Meanwhile, back at the ranch. No, meanwhile, the twice impeached, four times indicted ex-president. He's 77, mm-hmm. so that's not quite, you know, a, a, a whippersnapper. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He eats fast food every day. Yeah. Okay. Has trouble formulating cohesive sentences. Mm-hmm. He needs help walking down a ramp. Mm-hmm. And it has been reported he can't even lift a glass to his mouth to drink because it was on tape. Did uh, you see that he went, I, I didn't see that part, but I would say that's probably more of a preference than versus his ability to do it. I would not be surprised if he made someone do it out of his ego. I don't know, but um, well, no, he does it himself. Oh, like he, in other okay. words, like I drink the water like, like this, that, right? Yeah. He needs to do this to lift the bottle up. That's oh, this I would is just say that's him trying to be bougie as hell. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> well, he's 
thinks he is. But no, but the whole deal is like I don't see – I can't compare the two. I mm-hmm. mean three years difference in age shouldn't make a difference mm-hmm. when it comes to who is more into health and who isn't. But, yeah. So why do you think there is a double standard when it comes to President Biden and crickets when it comes to the ex-president? That's just my question. I would I would just say it just comes down to more of the partisan politics there in the United States. You have the Republicans who want their main guy in there who seems to be like the next Jesus for them. Mm-hmm. And President Biden's everything that they despise. And I would say it's probably more of an envy thing. Uh, in my personal opinion, Biden's done more for the country than Trump has. And has done a lot more than since a lot of more recent uh, – um, presidents have in a bipartisan way. In too. a bipart, you have the bipartisan infrastructure act. You have yeah. the Chips Act. You have um, the Inflation Reduction Act, which are all hundred billion dollar plus bills. Uh, We're doing a lot the, of events. Yeah, cutting, cutting green the and, price of of an ins- insulin, insulin to thirty five dollars. Yeah, I mean, God, it's a lot of help there. And along with that, he's out there pushing his foreign policy and helping in the war with Ukraine. Um, I'm for helping. The war in Ukraine, because this is not World War Three again. We don't need a World War Two st- style scenario. So we need to make sure totally certain countries are put in their place. And you know, you know why I agree. Why? Because if anybody is educated and they look back at World War Two, mm-hmm. the last World War we had, um, we saw Neville Chamberlain yep. appease Hitler. Yep. And when mm-hmm. Churchill came in, yep. He said, no, he we will that. get you on the seas <laughs> and we will like, get you on the sh- – you know, We will be everywhere where you think you uh, – where we're right. going to be. And it turned around and we ended up – the Allies ended up winning the war. Oh, yeah. Could you imagine if we just didn't let – we let Hitler just take over your – I mean – Oh, yeah. Come on now, guys. Yeah. You have to stop uh, authoritarian uh, regimes from, regimes from yeah. taking over sovereign countries. You have to. Otherwise – because the next step is going to be China taking over They're, Taiwan. Taiwan, and I was even disappointed yeah. with our response into Hong Kong when when they started going to Hong Kong a bit and exerting control. I was very much about about watching that because I look at it as yeah. on the fringes of our democratic society are being challenged by these countries, and if you don't do anything to do about it, then what is the point of creating the magnificent uh, culture that we have, having this diversity? of race, religion, and society here yes. in the United States and making sure that we live our way of life when you have Russia trying to go into Ukraine that's just trying to live their own thing yeah, yeah. or China going into Taiwan. Yeah. Boy, we, we agree on everything. This is scary. Oh, <laughs> apparently <laughs> apparently so. Who would have thought? <laughs> but my final question on the show today yep. is um, now you will be the – if you do win, mm-hmm. you will be the second – um, um, LGBTQ gay male yep. um, to be uh, in that office in city council. Yep. Correct? Is that? Yeah, that'd be correct. Um, so I want to talk about every show. I always talk about LGBTQ issues because I happen to be to be one, <laughs> a real person. Wow, not one of these uh, the, 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 crazy the, the crisis actors. Crisis actors. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not a. Um, what do they call them? Uh, one of those deviants that they the, the right tries to portray us as so um I, I just say that's always a compliment when someone calls me a deviant from the right oh, as being geez. gay i'm like if, if it was me being born turns me into a deviant my god i wonder what my personality is like then oh, i know so according to the organization the movement advancement project i don't know if you heard about them but because of the don't say gay laws mm-hmm. 11 states ban simply the discussion of lgbt people 
just discussion, just yeah. to talk about them. It has nothing to do with sex, people. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just discussion. Like my my mommies are. I have two mommies, or I have two. Da- Can't talk about that. Yeah. You know, that's so, so. What is that trying to tell the children that we're less than? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah. Uh, in my book, anyway. So author Mark Tyler Nobleman, I think I pronounced his name right, was supposed to talk to kids about the secret co-creator of Batman with the aim of inspiring young, young students in Atlanta to do research and write. So, mm-hmm. so he, he was there to make an inspirational talk or to do an inspirational talk to the students. So soon thereafter, the school district told him that he had to cut out a key point from his presentation that the artist had uh, – that he helped uh, rescue from obscurity had a gay son. So the fact that this man yeah. had a gay son. He couldn't talk. Yeah, he, he had to get talk just about take it. that part out, the gay son. Yeah. All right? So rather than acquiesce, he canceled the remainder of his talks. Bravo. Yeah, I would say good for him. Good for Absolutely. him. Standing up and not doing anything. He stood up, up. Yeah. for his, his – He stood up for what he believed for in and for his son. Him. And for the, for the gentleman's son, son yes. yes. So what are your thoughts about this? And do you feel more and more speakers invited to schools will refuse to do so because of these don't say gay laws? I, uh, I would definitely say with the don't say gay laws, you're going to find more people not trying to go to these schools or go to these states and try to talk about what is important at the end of the day is people's like relations and their personalities and so forth. When you're talking about the LGBTQ community, you're not talking about them. You're talking about their humanity and and who they represent. And they need to be heard only because I'm biased, because I'm gay myself. But I'm, <gasps> we, we need to be heard. And everybody needs to have a chance to tell their story. And once you start not talking about a certain uh, demographic of society, then you're going backwards. And in my viewpoint, when, when I hear these um, these laws start deciding to go down that pathway... When are they going to stop? Are they going to only stop with the LGBTQ community? I would say they're probably not going to stop. They're probably going to keep going further and further back because at the end of the day, when they say make America great again, all I hear is make America back to the 1950s again when only white middle class um, voters are the ones who have all the power and that is it. And that's where I'm like, no, that is not the America that is today. We have more diversity now than ever. We had diversity then. We need to make sure that everybody's heard. If you want to call us a republic, um, we still vote for our representatives. Everybody should have a say. They want to put us back in the closet, yeah. basically. Yeah, and I'm not willing to go back in the closet. Yeah. That was a dreadful time. Oh, my goodness. And it's um, the 70s when I grew up. I, I It took me a really long time to accept myself because of yeah. all the negativity I was hearing. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying, Maxwell? Yeah. It, 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 today, I think... We, uh, I don't want to say that I paved the way personally, but <laughs> but it's your generation. Uh, the, I think my your generation, generation for the doing generation that before that, that yep. they were there in the streets mm-hmm. fighting. Oh yeah, you know it, when AIDS came out, um, when AIDS became a scourge on our community, nobody was going to fight mm-hmm. to save our people, our community, except us. And yeah. the allies. We did have allies, allies I but, must say. But like a, a, so we, we, need, uh, we need to speak out whenever yeah. this stuff happens. happens. You gotta that's go why I have this show. Yeah, and, I, and I'm thankful that you have that show and that you're willing to speak out because a lot of people don't. I always make this one joke with people. I said, never try to shove the LGBTQ community back into the corner because you'll just end up throwing a brick at you. 
Oh my goodness, that's, yeah. a, that's a great way to put it. <laughs> <laughs> to reference Stonewall there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know the funny thing too. Um, when I grew up, I remember people saying, uh, are, "Are you gay? So, uh, are you the man or the woman?" Oh god, I'm that, like that's no, how I'm... far back I go because nobody asked me that anymore. Thankfully, I was going to say ten years ago, I still had people ask me that. Um, you did, yeah, I would still have people ask me if I was in a relationship who who is the man or who's the woman, or even when I wasn't in really? a relationship, they would still ask me, and I go, I'm gay for a reason. I want a man and a man in a relationship. There's so much, yeah, there's so much ignorance when it comes yeah. to our community, and I think again, it's because we don't we're not out there enough. I don't yeah. think there's, for example, I, I'm you know I'm a gay man. I have this show. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now there's Ellie. We have Ellie Krug. She's a trans woman that has a show here on AM 950. We have JP Derek Berger-Hosian. Mm-hmm. Um, he is also in the queer community. Um, but that's it. And you don't see very much on regular television Vision, or yeah. or shows about our community. Or, or it's portrayed by straight actors on television. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, 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 and um, yeah, and it, it took a lot of fighting for yeah. our community, even just to get married, to be able to get be married. married. I'm yeah. married yeah. because of the DFL and yeah. because of Democrats, not because of Republicans, and also because of yourself, because your generation and the previous generations fought for it. Right, right, right. But yeah. I, I mean, but but just think of this though. Just suppose that. 2015, when when marriage was passed Mm -hmm. in the Supreme Court, just suppose we had this Supreme Court. Yeah, no, I I, married now. No, but luckily I live in the state of Minnesota that passed the law that says otherwise. (laughs) Yeah, but the law the law shouldn't change because you put different people for same thing with abortion. Yeah, I mean, it would be scary. It would be very scary for the ones who live in states like Texas, like Florida, that won't be able to get married. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But the thing is. The law never changed. The law has been consistent yeah. over these years, especially with abortion. I hate to go yeah. back to abortion, yeah. but um, you know Roe versus Wade, and then there was an, another case that w- that upheld Roe versus Wade in the nineties. I can't remember yeah. the name of it off the top of my head, but it buttressed yeah. Roe versus Roe versus Wade. Double precedent mm-hmm. we had, right? Yeah. And all of a sudden. Uh, the ex-president, uh, Voldemort, I like to call him. I never say his name. I really don't. But he just decided to put three people in there, yeah. uh, thanks to Mitch McConnell, who wouldn't put uh, President Obama's oh, yeah. uh, appointment, uh, uh, even give him a hearing. Um, it was pretty much uh, ahead of time. You know, the, the, the Federalist Society put yeah. had this whole thing planned out. Mm-hmm. So now we have three different people put into that uh, into that court. Yeah. Disregarded double precedent. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, yeah. And now, and, and now, even affirmative action is not even a, a thing anymore yeah. because you just put three people in there mm-hmm. who happen to not think that uh, yeah. African Americans should be given yeah. a little hand up because of all this, all the drama they went yeah. through, all these for his, throughout history. And I would even say, like an example out of those three people, I think one of which is it Amy Comey Bear who doesn't have a law degree or something like that. Where she's like not educated enough for her yeah. to be my personal I opinion. I wouldn't be surprised to be in there. <laughs> I know there's one who isn't, and it's like how in the how yeah, how yeah, did you yeah. manage to pick her? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I don't know. Anyway, so unfortunately, 
Maxwell. Oh, We've no. run out of time on Darn. the Downright Upright show today. Well, it's been a I, great time. Oh, my God. I just want to thank you so much, Maxwell, for being a guest on my show. I think you are amazing. I, we have almost the same policy issues. I mean, because, uh, again, we're both progressive, but sometimes yeah. you, you can you get, diverge. I have friends that... You have the moderate Dems, and then you have me where exactly. I'm I have friends Bernie. that don't agree with the Ukraine war, um, uh, funding it, yeah. but I do. Because I again I, I am not a Neville Chamberlain I'm I'm a Winston Churchill person, yeah. Yeah. Um, so and I, I just want to say personally good luck on your campaign. Thank you. You know I really am hoping that everybody in Bloomington gets out to vote now. Uh, election day in Bloomington is when now it's uh, uh, November seventh. November seventh, yeah. and uh, it's a special election. Right? It is a special election, um, even though all council members are up there. So my term would only be two years. And then you have to run again next year. Yeah, and you'll pretty be much. Back here again. I'll be back here again. <laughs> I'll, I'll be annoying you again. <laughs> no, you, uh, never. There's no way you could annoy me. Um, so for more information on Maxwell's campaign and how you can donate or volunteer. Or have a one-on-one. You even do one-on-ones, which I is do. amazing. Yeah, yeah, that's the first thing I started with is the one-on-ones because I, I, I want to talk to that. people. Yeah, thank you. Beautiful. Yeah. Um, so go to maxforbloomington.com and you can either volunteer, again, donate, or do uh, have a one-on-one yep. so you can ask questions. Being coffee or beer, it's up to you. I know I've had some people ask about beers and I'm like, yeah, I'll go out I and love have a beer. I love beer, but um, I, I'm on medication so I have to stop. Maybe next year when I'm off the medication, I'll be able to do it. Um, And finally, thank you to the audience out there for uh, joining us today on the Downright Upright show. Love you guys. My first um, in-studio show. And uh, I love you all, wherever you are. And um, my name is Philip Anthony. And I and I want to say thank you again. I can't stop saying thank mm-hmm. you to everybody out there and to Maxwell and thank to you. every DFLer out there. Yeah. Go out yeah. and vote. And uh, I just have to say thank you and ciao for now. <laughs>